I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, where we hear from you, the true experiences you've had with the paranormal, and we try to understand them. This week, I can't wait to hear the paranormal stories you've sent in to us. If you have had a paranormal encounter with a ghost, extraterrestrial or something unexplained, send us a voice note into paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. That's paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. And you could be featured on the next episode. This week, we're touching on psychics and paranormal investigators. I'll also be chatting to my most trusted psychic, Brian Shepard. But before that, let's concentrate on perhaps the most famous paranormal investigator, Mr. Harry Price. He was born in 1881 in London, England. And if you've never heard of this man and you are interested in the paranormal, which I'm sure you are, that's why you're listening to this podcast, then please take a look at some of his books. And there are many. I'm just listing a couple here for you. The Most Haunted House, The End of Borley Rectory and Confessions of a Ghost Hunter. And apparently there are, well, I've never seen them because anybody who knows me will tell you I cannot watch any spooky or paranormal movies. But there is one about Harry Price and it's called Ghost Hunter starring Rafe Spall. So you guys can watch it and tell me all about it. Now, Harry was one of the foremost figures in the world of psychical research. His love began of this unusual pastime, and it was very unusual uh, in these times, in his teenage years. He would spend his hard-earned wages on ghost hunting equipment, spending hours locked up in spooky old houses, the most famous, of course, being Borley Rectory, which in turn became known as the most haunted house in England which sadly no longer stands. He loved exposing fraudulent mediums and tricksters, but he himself was accused of fraud from pebble throwing to brick hurling. During the birth uh, and after the years of spiritualism, Harry Price helped the cause, but he upset a few people along the way. He loved to uncover fraudulent acts and wrote a paper on how to test a medium. I wish I'd read that before my paranormal adventures began, I can tell you. He brought psychics and transmediums to England and he showcased some of their amazing abilities, Rudy Schneider uh, being one of them. Now, I'm about to read to you an extract from Harry Price's book, uh, well, one of his books, Confessions of a Ghost Hunter. Uh, 
Um, and this book is is one of my prize books in my library. I just absolutely love reading it. So where we're up to so far is Harry is investigating a manor house with a colleague. Now, remember, it's the early part of the 20th century. So the equipment, as I said before, he uses what was just incredibly basic. At about half past 11, when we were beginning to get very sleepy and wishing, though we did not admit it, that we were in our own nice warm beds, my friend thought he heard a noise in the room overhead. I too had heard a noise, but concluded it was caused by a wandering rodent or the wind. It did not sound an unusual noise. A few minutes later, there was a thud in the room above, which left nothing to the imagination. It sounded as if someone had stumbled over a chair. I will not attempt to describe our feelings at the discovery that we were not alone in the house. For a moment or so, we were almost paralysed with fear. But remembering what we were there for, we braced up our nerves and waited. Just before midnight, we again heard a noise in the room above. It was as if a heavy person was stamping around in clogs. A minute or so later, the footfalls sounded as if they had left the room and were travelling the short gallery. Then they approached the head of the stairs, paused at the dog gate, which we had securely fastened with string, and commenced descending the stairs. We distinctly counted the 15 thumps corresponding to the number of stairs, and I need hardly mention that our hearts were thumping in unison. It seemed to pause in the hall when the bottom of the stairs was reached and we were wondering what was going to happen next. The fact that only a door intervened between us and the mysterious intruder made us take a lively interest in what its next move would be. We were not kept long in suspense. The entity, having paused in the hall for about three minutes, turned tail and stumped up the stairs again, every step being plainly heard. We again counted the number of thumps and were satisfied that it was at the top of the flight where again a halt was made at the dog gate, but no further noise was heard when this gate had been reached. My friend and I waited at the door for a few minutes more and then we decided to investigate the neighbourhood of the dog gate and Mary Hulse's room. But we had barely formed this resolution before we heard the thumps descending the stairs again. With a quickened pulse, I again counted the 15 heavy footsteps, which were getting nearer and nearer and louder and louder. There was another pause in the hall, and again the footfalls commenced their upward journey. But by this time, the excitement of the adventure was making us bolder. We were acquiring a little of that contempt which is bred by familiarity. We decided to have a look at our quarry. If it were tangible, so with my courage in one hand and the camera in the other, I opened the door. My friend was close behind with the stable lantern. By this time, the ghost was on about the fifth stair, but with the opening of the door leading into the hall, the noise of its ascent stopped dead. So, what of psychics and mediums? Well, I've met a few hundred in my time, and many of them have been absolutely fascinating. Others caught out as fraudulent. It did leave a bitter taste in my mouth when all you have believed in is found out to be total lies. There are true psychics and mediums out there. Edgar Cayce was such a person. He was born in 1877 in Kentucky, America, and lived until 1945. Now, during sleep states, 
he predicted things and they were all recorded um, either on recorder or written down. And Edgar seemed to be in some sort of trance-like state and he would proceed to answer lots of questions that were flung at him about past life through to, is Atlantis real? And of course, the future. What will happen in the future? But could he predict it? Well, he talks about conscious mind and how the conscious mind lives on, just as Einstein believed that energy cannot die. Now, there is somebody that I'd love you to look up. His name is Jürgen Zew. It's spelled J-U-R-G-E-N-Z-I-E-W-E. And he takes this sort of lucid dreaming and conscious thought a step further. And he believed in exactly what Edgar believed in. Jürgen will go into some sort of um, meditative state and lucid dream. And through these lucid dreamings, he's able to connect with people from the other side. He's connected with family members, his mother, his father. And he is also an artist. So he's like a graphic designer and will do these amazing pictures of what he describes the other side is like when he's traveled there using his conscious mind, using meditation. Um, So is this something that we can all do? And I really believe that we can. And I think that Edgar Cayce was one of the first people to sort of touch on this, but he was also a Sunday school teacher. Now, you can imagine uh, back in in those early days, in the early 1900s, that he would have really been plagued with guilt because though, you know, back in those days, if you sort of dabbled in that sort of thing, it was was sort of, uh, oh gosh, you were dabbling in witchcraft and, and the dark arts. But he had to purge this gift. He had to get it out. And he persevered and he kept on with it and founded a non-profit organization uh, called the Association for Research and Enlightenment. So I think on the whole, there are truly gifted psychics and mediums in the world, and we just have to do a lot of digging to find them. And whatever you do, a little bit of advice for you, if a psychic ever asks you to part with lots of money before they do a reading, run. This week's story is from Vicky, who had a horrible experience with a sinister spirit when moving into a new house in Wales as a child, in a student house in Sheffield, and one of the most haunted experiences at Shrewsbury Prison. I've had several paranormal encounters. My first was from the age of around 3 to 16 years old. We moved from Wirral to the Welsh countryside and the house we purchased was a a new build set in a quaint village. Ever since I could remember, I couldn't shake this feeling of unease, of of being watched. And at night time, I would wake to breath on my neck and in my ear. I'd run into my parents' room, who of course would tell me I was just dreaming. I'd see dark figures walk past my room and I'd hear footsteps going up and down the stairs. As I grew older, these experiences intensified, especially when I was in the house on my own. Cupboard doors would bang in the kitchen when I was upstairs. If I was downstairs, I'd hear footsteps running up the stairs and along the balcony. Friends from school would actually stop coming over to my house because they were scared. 
they too were having um, paranormal experiences in the house. And every time we'd pull up on the driveway, I remember I'd always shut my eyes because I knew if I was to look into a window, I would definitely see someone looking back at me. It was only when we moved out of the house, uh, we were there for about 18 years, my dad told me that my mum actually saw a lady in Victorian dress in the hallway the day we were moving in. And he too himself had had numerous experiences in the house. And I felt such a relief when we moved out, like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. A few years had passed and I was actually at a wedding and I was sat behind the couple who bought our house. It was a mutual friend's wedding. And they were talking to the person sat next to them in the church, telling them that the house was haunted. Um, another encounter took place whilst I was at uh, university in Sheffield. We were renting a traditional terrace house close to the campus. I remember waking on several occasions to a dark figure stood over me. Now this might sound frightening, but it, it really wasn't. You know, I tried to rationalize it. I was just waking up and my eyes were adjusting, things like that. However, it was one evening when all of that changed. My boyfriend and I were sat in the lounge watching TV, no one else was in. And the television suddenly went off to a static screen. And my boyfriend commented that that was really odd. And then we noticed how freezing cold the room had become. And we looked over at the other sofa in the room and we could clearly see an old man sat on it. He was a grey mist-like entity and I could see his hands were on his lap and his head was down. I just couldn't believe it. And my boyfriend screamed, ran out and left me. Needless to say, I moved out shortly after. And another experience I've had is actually during a most haunted um, experience at Shrewsbury Prison with Stuart and um, my friend came with me. So the event was coming to an end, unbeknownst to us, um, because Stu and my friend and I were in a cell talking and I hadn't felt afraid. We were having a fantastic conversation. I was really engrossed. But all of a sudden, I felt such an overwhelming sense of fear. It was so intense and completely out of the blue. It was almost like I was bracing myself for something. And Stu was, was chatting away still. And I looked over to my friend and I could see that she started to feel uneasy too. And then my friend said, oh, we should head back to the main room. It looks like everybody's left. And just as she said this the cell doors started slamming above us and there were loud, heavy footsteps running along the landings above. I grabbed my friend and ran and Stu was trying to turn his torch on and started shouting, hello. And I remember just shouting, not now, Stu, as we ran for the door. The terror was unbelievable and the footsteps were actually following us every step of the way. I have never felt fear like that in my life. And when the three of us came back into the main room everyone had gone it was just the staff who were clearing up I'm sure if you asked you he'd remember this very clearly my friend certainly does we talk about this all the time so I'm, I'm lucky in many ways to have experienced so many different encounters which has absolutely affirmed my belief in um, in the paranormal
I wonder what was built on the land before your house was built, Vicky. Did you ever find out? I'm guessing there was another house there. Something had to be connecting the ghostly Victorian woman to that space. Or maybe she was a relative of yours, Vicky. And then, of course, seeing the old man sat in your front room in the student accommodation. I love how detailed his ghost was, the fact that you could see his hands. I wonder, did he look at you, smile perhaps, or interact? I'd love to know. So please, please get in touch. And then, of course, let's talk about Shrewsbury Prison. For those of you who have been to Shrewsbury Prison and done a ghost hunt there, it's I think you'll all agree, it's a fantastically active place. And for those of you who haven't, ah, oh, you need to go. You need to you need to join the most haunted team on most on a most haunted event and go and do a ghost hunt at Shrewsbury Prison. You will not be disappointed. And I have got a couple of experiences of, of my own that I'll just share with you quickly um, that a lot of people don't know. So over the years I've visited Shrewsbury Prison many, many times. Of course, the first time I went there, that's for everybody to see on Most Haunted, which you can watch on one of the episodes. Um, But like I say, there are a couple of times I've been there uh, on Most Haunted Experiences that haven't been televised. And um, I remember um, taking my mum there and we we drove up to uh, the main gates of Shrewsbury Prison, um, which are just really quite um, incredible. These huge sort of wooden uh, gates are there and, and this building is is just quite enormous and very impressive and foreboding. And as we drove through the gates, my mum suddenly went, I feel so sick. I don't know what it is. I've just come over feeling really, really sick. Are you all right, mum? Oh, goodness, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I, I just feel really, really sick to my stomach and I've gone really nervous. Now, she'd never been here before. Anyway, Carl and myself decided to give her a little private tour. And in uh, a lot of prisons um, on the ground floor, there's always some sort of um, tables, snooker tables or the um, football tables. Um, And mum and I and Carl were walking down the dark corridor and lo and behold, out of nowhere, the ball from the football table was thrown at my mum, which of course you can tell she absolutely screamed the place down and we didn't know where this had come from. And then the snooker ball started to come uh, and that started to get a little bit frightening. So as you can imagine, there was a lot of screaming, a lot of swearing and a lot of running. Uh, so uh, that that was really quite frightening, especially for my poor mum. And then when we joined the people that had come along for the evening and we made our way into the hanging room and you know obviously in its title it, it's where people were, were hanged and the, the hangman's noose um, not the original one obviously but it, it's there as a prop to sort of give the the feeling of what this room would have been like back in the day and my mum was standing underneath the hangman's noose and she ran out of the room and just threw up she was so sick. And apparently that's happened to quite a lot of people that have, that have visited the prison. They have no explanation why. It's not food poisoning. You know, they've, they've eaten the same food as somebody else and they've not been ill. And they've just, for no explanation, been very, very poorly and very sick. So that was the experience that my poor mother went through. And every time I said, do you want to come to Shrewsbury Prison with me? She says, no, it's all right. (laughs) I'm really selling it to you, aren't I? But it really is a very, very active place. And again, I was filming for This Morning. 
and we took the film crew there and there were three of us and um, their presenter and they were doing like a little insert for the main show all about Halloween. And there was nobody else in the prison. Um, there was the curator of the prison and I think three members of the team um, and Carl and myself. And all of a sudden we heard exactly what Vicky heard, footsteps, bang, bang, bang above us. And then they got louder and louder. And then the rattling of keys and then whistling. So to me, it was the ghost of a prison guard. And it got louder and louder and louder. Well, the team from this morning couldn't believe it. They ran up the steps. Some of them, there's nobody up there. There's nobody up there. They couldn't believe it. And they caught it all on camera. And the frustration of it all was this. They didn't show it on this morning because it was too frightening. Oh my God. I mean, we couldn't believe it. So we were really frustrated with that, but it was lovely so that other people um, that, you know, thought, you know, didn't know what to make of all this haunting stuff. We're, almost they were coming along for a little bit of lighthearted TV. Um, anyway, it turned into um, a lot more than lighthearted, I can tell you. They left shaking. Um, so those are sort of my unknown stories of, of Shrewsbury Prison. And, uh, and like Vicky has said, you know, it really is an absolutely terrifying place. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, 
Welcome to Mum's the Word, a brand new parenting podcast with me, Ashley James. Pregnancy, piles and all the other problems that come with parenting. I'm not going to be sugarcoating anything. It's all about truths, taboos and of course celebrating the amazing highs too. Each week I'll be talking about the journey of being a mum. For me it's my first time so I'll have some celebs and experts and you guys to help join me and hopefully figure out what on earth I'm meant to be doing. It's a podcast for all the parents out there, our very own little club. Hit follow now so you don't miss an episode. Mum's the Word, the parenting podcast with me, Ashley James, coming soon. It's the best parenting podcast out there. So, as I said earlier, I've worked with hundreds of mediums from around the world, some good and others downright fraudulent. It does make me wary and very, very suspicious when I'm introduced to yet another medium. I'm always respectful Uh, as the good ones are genuinely lovely people who really believe that they're talking to the dead. And some of them are really doing that. And others clearly are not. I believe we all have the ability to talk to the other side. It's whether we want to, that desire to push ourselves into a new realm. And if we are successful, it's what we choose to do with that gift that really counts. I've only ever come across one psychic um, that I truly trust and respect and when I've worked with uh, people within the UK. And of course, that is Brian Shepherd. Hi, Brian. So really, I just want to start with asking you, when were you aware at what age and what sort of uh, situation were you in when you discovered that you could hear or see or feel presence of ghosts? I I would say, I think well, I've said this before, way back in my teens, um, you know, 14, 15, um, my grandmother was a psychic and um, I learned a lot from her. And I was, I was very, very close to her as well. I mean, for reasons, personal reasons that I won't go into, I, I spent, you know, my very early years li- li- living in the house with her. Um, and um, be- before I left there and, and resumed, if you like, resumed living with my my parents. Um, and anyway, her influence um, obviously had a lasting effect and an interest with me um, up until what well, I was say sixteen, I suppose. Yeah, it was sixteen when she when she passed. I think she was about eighty-two. I should actually. Um, anyway, she actually came back to me. I saw her. She, she came back and manifested herself to me. I mean, it scared the bejeebus out of me, quite honestly. You know, I was, I was 16. I was like, what the hell, you know? Um, and that was the first experience, I suppose, I, I kind of had. Other than seeing her practice and, and having people round to the house and all that sort of thing, it was the first, it was the first real experience I had with, um, with anything uh, that, 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 that you wish to call paranormal. Um, thereafter, I mean, it kind of, I wanted it to go away. I, I, it's not something I was interested in. I was 16 and then going 17 years old. There were lots of other things in my life that I could be more interested in, fairly obviously, for, for a, 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 a lad of that age, <laughs> of course. <laughs> there were girls around. There was music around. <laughs> there was a lot happening. And, and also, you, you know, mm-hmm. I was coming up to, I was, uh, I was starting, um, Art College in um, in Salisbury, uh, Salisbury, where I was born, 
Um, so there was a lot. There was a lot of other things going on on in my life at uh, at the time. After that first time that you had an encounter seeing your grandmother's spirit, did you know? Did things start to happen quite quickly after that, or was it a slow process over the years? And when did you suddenly realise? Well, actually, you know, I, I can use this to help people. Oh, much later on, really, to be honest, if, uh, you, you know, as I say, there was a lot going on. I had a, I had a good few uh, teenage, then early 20s uh, years to go through. Um, and it wasn't until I was, I suppose, in my mid to later 20s that I realized, because I had a sense, you know, that something was growing within me and never gone away, I began to realize that there was something you could do with it. Um, and um, I started to be more and more interested. I didn't have the the obvious, you know, early distractions, if you like. So I started to become more and more involved. A lot of people have different senses, don't they? So do you just see, or do you see and hear, or do you feel, or you know, how how do you how does it manifest to you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's that. that that's a that's a good question because it's a question that a lot of people have asked me. In actual fact. And especially, you know, given, you know, our history, yours, mine, um, and the most haunted show, um, you know, obviously people could see me um, sketching, sketching on the show and, and, and things like that. But it's a good question. I mean, the thing is, it's, it's not so much, it's not so much for me a seeing, um, if you like, in the, in the physical sense. It's much more of an impression that grows from within. It's, it's an awareness. Um, in, in, in terms of understanding of any of any paranormal presence around me in any given situation, um, and um, you know sometimes that understanding of, of a spirit, if you like, can be can be strong or less so. You, you know, I mean, so strong in actual fact that going back to the most haunted uh, series, um, I've been able to sketch something from it. That was incredible to actually, you know, you'd sit in a room on your own and I remember watching you work and just absolutely fascinated with it. And for those people that don't know, um, you know, you are a hugely, you know, well-respected, um, uh, very, very talented artist. And of course, you know, to watch you work and all of a sudden, you know, this blank piece of paper and you use black charcoals when you were doing this work. And, and then this face would, would come out of, of nowhere. And we've actually, I just thought I'd let you know, we've actually found them. There's a huge stack of them in a box and we found them. And some of them are just really quite, well, very haunting, very haunting, very frightening, um, just stunning pieces of work. Um, and then, but to see that come out, come out and, and, and you talk about, you know, such and such a body's here. And then for you to actually, for, for, for people like me who don't have your ability to actually see what you're seeing, you know, that there is a presence in the room or there is a presence in this old mansion house and this is what he looks like. You're giving us the eyes for those of us who can't see. And I think that is just such, such, such an amazing gift uh, to have. And, uh, and, mm. and, and you really helped me, uh, um, you know, a, a couple of times, well, more than a couple of times, lots of times, but two times that really stick out for me was, I remember we were doing a radio show 
and you were you were a guest on the show and you, yeah. you did some drawing and, and you did a drawing of the studio but you were drawing all these pieces of big bits of meat and carcasses hanging around us and you were saying oh gosh you know this right. used to be a slaughterhouse and I was like oh my god that's bizarre and then you drew this woman standing behind me with her hands on my shoulders and then you said your grandmother is here and then you did a portrait of my grandmother and you've never seen a picture of my grandmother and I, I only have one of them which is hanging in my house that you because you hadn't been to my house so you'd never seen this picture and it was almost like an exact copy of the of the picture it was amazing and then the second time was when uh, my father passed on and you told me exactly the the things that I had placed inside his coffin that nobody else knew about private things um and then I remember you kept saying your dad's here and he's saying he wants you to scatter his ashes at the Trafalgar and I was like what the hell's the Trafalgar what's he talking about and of course my dad lived in America at the time and uh, I phoned my brother up who also lived in America and I said what's the Trafalgar and he said well that's the pub that he drank in every day it's a British pub and we took his ashes to the Trafalgar, but unfortunately it had been knocked down. So obviously we could, it was sort of in the middle of a shopping mall type, you know, been built up. So um, we could, we would have looked a bit strange doing that in the middle of a public area. So we took him and, sp- and sprinkled his ashes over the ocean uh, in Florida. But to me, that was just just mind-blowing. And, and it was very comforting to me that you had been able to give that message. Yeah. And I think that's such an important thing for people like yourself with a true gift, you know, and you are, and I'll say this, and I don't mean to embarrass you, you are the only, only person that can communicate with the other side that is true, that is real. Um, and you you haven't made a living from it. You, you are a, a beautiful artist and you do all this amazing artwork and paintings and so on that you can, that, that you know, that that's, that's how you, you live. That's your career. And the psychic side, the medium side, if you will, tell me if I'm wrong, is almost a secondary gift that you use to comfort people and to help. And I just think that's the most extraordinary, lovely thing. And, um, and I wish there were more like you. Yeah. Yes, it is. It, it, it is just that. I mean, I mean, it is, I suppose it is a secondary thing, the, uh, the, the, the psychic part of, you know, my life, um, because yes, I, I have had to earn a living in other ways. And, and those ways were, um, were through creative for an artistic side. Uh, so, so I've done, obviously most of the work I've done, you know, is, 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 is along those lines. And even today, you know, I am, I am what I, I call myself a painter, you know, he's exactly what I am. Um, and but the psychic psychic thing re- reverting back to some of the stories that you've just related about your own family. I mean, it's not a selective thing in that studio. One is that radio studio that you mentioned. One is suddenly, for for no single reason, drawn back in time. Suddenly, the walls have gone, and there's something else in place, and you're sitting in what was. Um, going you know, going back to your to your dad. Um, I could sense, I could sense a presence about him, and also his connection with America, and also I think I'm right in saying he liked country music. Yeah, he liked all types of music. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that and that came through heavily. You see what I mean? It's not something you select. Some things seem very weird, and you think very random, if you like. 
but of interest. And if you can assemble these things together, you get a good idea of what someone of what someone's about, I suppose, or was about, to be fair, you know? Yeah. And and exactly. And I and I, you know, I think about some of the times, you know, the years that we worked together. And um, in your mind, I'm sort of sorry to ask you this, pluck out a memory as quick as you can. Um, and they're always quite difficult because I get asked this question. Is there one particular place or occasion when we were working together that actually frightened you, where you, where you felt such a uh, not particularly nice spirit or and I'm not asking you to well, remember his name or anything but maybe a situation that that frightened you perhaps crikey crikey Yvette you know I'm getting older and my memory is not what it was <laughs> I mean let's be fair the same I mean, as me I, I mean <laughs> darling you frightened me from the word go I'm <laughs> <laughs> I have that effect I'm, I'm, on people, I mean it know. in the most and, and most loving way. I know. Believe, believe me, I love you dearly. You know, it's funny, really, because do you remember that that series, that short series we did um, in America? Um, in yeah. Oh, cars. Here we go. Let here we go. Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Oh my God, you've like got that. a better memory than me. Well, yeah. I'm just I'm just thinking it had to be because two years later I was had had a serious illness. You know, so. That's I'll, right. I'll, I'll yes. kind of use that to pivot round, and I think it must have been two thousand and eight. Mm. But um, it, it was at the um, Stanley Hotel. You, know, you remember that? Oh, that, that my lovely God, hotel. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Yeah. Well, right, overlooking those beautiful Rocky Mountains, wasn't it? Um, yeah, Colorado. In, that's in, right. In Colorado, yeah, near Denver. And it, what is it? The Estes yeah. Park. You know, there was. There was a there was a situation there, which which in actual fact I I did not mention at the time because you know we we were there with all the crew, we were filming and all the rest of it. But one night it was November, and one night I I I awoke, I woke up, and I didn't know what time it was. I think we we must have been very late going to bed anyway. But I heard what I thought were children's voices, and you know whispered children's voices. And this went on a bit, and I thought, well, just dreaming. But no, I woke up, and I thought to myself, well, you know, I'll, I'll take a look outside. It's a hotel, for heaven's sakes. There could be people in the corridor or whatever. And I did look outside, looked up and down. There was absolutely no one, no one to be seen at all. And I thought, well, whatever, must have imagined it. And I went back, I went back, closed the door, went back and got in bed, and I lie there for a moment or two, and I reached out and I put, I switched the um, the bedside light off, and I and immediately, as long as I, as soon as I touched it and it went off, I heard I heard two soft voices and said, "Let's go." And do you know what? Over the years, occasionally, when I reach out and I switch off a bedside light, that comes straight back to me, "Let's go." Right. Let's and go. you know what, what, what that means? I wonder what. Yeah, it, it's not horrifying, but it was a chilly little experience that stayed with me over the years. I I don't know if I've talked about this on that podcast, but I remember the room that I stayed in in that hotel. Was that two one seven? Well, it's the most haunted room. I think it is two one seven. Do you? Yeah. Oh my god! So Stephen King. That's yeah. right, and it was absolutely petrifying every time we went into the room. 
I had my suitcases on the, it was the day we went, we got there and I put my suitcases on the, on the top of the bed and I'd go out and we'd have a cup of tea, wouldn't we? We always had tea or something together, came back, came back and all the clothes were just thrown all around the room, thrown everywhere. And I remember thinking, what the hell's going on? And I put everything away and, and sort of would put everything neatly away, go back, we'd go for dinner, come back, everything out a mess again. To the point where I actually complained at the reception, said, what's going on? And it was all sort of, oh, don't know anything about it. It was shrugged off. That night we filmed, and as you say, we finished early hours of the morning. And I didn't, Car- and Car- do you remember Carl used to carry yeah, on with some yeah, of the, yeah. the blokes? They were butch, maybe with yourself, actually. But I remember myself and, and um, uh, another team member, um, I said, well, I'm not going back to that room on my own. I'm not going to go and have a sleep on my own. We'll sleep on top of the bed, but you're going to stay with me. And it was another female member of the team and we lay on the bed and we were just about to go to sleep and we heard all this racket in the bathroom, like someone was throwing something around. And we both sat up and went, oh my God. So I opened the bathroom door and nothing was out of place. And, And then we said, well, maybe it was another bathroom we heard that. Oh, well, trying to be logical. Shut the door, calmed down, closed our eyes, went to sleep. And then... At exactly the same time, we were both asleep and we heard above us, so close to our faces, just a man's voice going, ha, ha. well, <laughs> the two of us just leapt out really? of bed, ran yeah. screaming to the room. And, you know, obviously The Shining, the movie, it wasn't filmed there, that movie, but it was based on that hotel. And we were running along those long corridors, terrified in the dark. And we went to um, her room and we were shivering in bed, so frightened. And apparently we went down the following morning and uh, we were told um, that by the staff, they sort of came clean and said that Jim Carey had stayed in that same room and he got upstairs, uh, came downstairs um, with his pyjamas on and his dressing gown on and said to the reception area, I need to be moved now. And um, and he never told anybody why, but apparently he was absolutely shaken and refused to talk about it um, to this day. So he stayed in the same room as I did. So no doubt that's what happened to him. You know, my, my final question to you, Brian, is I believe, and I think I, I you will, will agree with me because we've had this discussion before, Do you think everybody is capable of being psychic? And if you do, which I think you do agree with me on this, how do you hone it? How do you open yourself up to it, um, but try to be careful about doing so? What what sort of advice do you give there? Yeah, well, 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 you know, I beat myself up a bit about this over the years, really, because yes, um, is the answer. I do think that we've all got certain. I was going to say powers, don't let's say that. Let's say abilities that we don't know necessarily that we have. And that's not necessarily talking about, uh, you know, psychic abilities. Um, there are others. But let, let, let's then refer back to psychic ones. We have abilities, but how do you hone it? And, th- and, this, and, th- and this is what I don't fully comprehend, if you like. Um, I know I can only relate the way it happened to me which was this growing thing, this growing awareness of what 
of what I had, if you like, an ability. Um, I, I'm not saying it was a fantastic ability. I'm just saying it's an ability. I wonder if you can encourage that. I think some people think you can. Um, but, um, but what worries me is that, you know, some people claim to be able to, um, bring it out in other people. Um, I don't think they can. It's a bit like, I suppose, in a, in a sense, it's a bit like being an artist. I'm an artist as well. So I'll, I'll just use that as a quick example. You know, you can go to art college and you can learn the rudiments of, painting and the materials you're going to use and all the rest of it and, and get a fair idea of who you like and who you don't like. But basically, at the end of the day, it's down to you, isn't it? And um, your ability, your talent for whatever after, after that. Um, as, as regards, you know, I think you touched on whether it could be dangerous or not. Was that what you said or something like that? Yeah, you know, you know, to do it properly, because, you know, we both know that there is, you know, there's good and bad as there is an, on this plane, you know, as in life, as in death, you know. So, you know, you often hear of these stories, don't you, where young people or kids have messed around or whatever, or or, or somebody's opened themselves. I mean, I did it myself. I was doing meditation, meditation before I met you. And I was opening myself up and and then all of a sudden I remember all the kitchen cupboards started to open and close on their own and the television was going on and somebody came round and said, you've opened yourself up like a sort of box really. You've opened the top of your, you've opened your lid and you're inviting everybody in. And he, he, he said, I'm closing you, I'm closing it down. And he said, you'll never be able to open up again. And I'm so angry because I try so hard to open up. Sometimes I get stuff. But other times I, I don't, you know, and, and I get frustrated because I really would like to hone it. But I, I don't know what the answer is. You know, I suppose, you know, like you said, there's lots of people out there that pretend to know how to do it and they don't. So you've got to be so careful. They, I, think, I think they do. I think that is the problem. They, they pretend to know or they pretend to do it. Um, I never really get involved with anything that, I'm I'm really unsure about you know what I mean. And I've got my own ways of closing down a situation as well. Um, I won't go into that too much because that's very very personal to me. But I feel I can walk away from something if I feel that it's becoming over too overwhelming, um, you know, too consuming if you like, and I sense any kind of a danger in it. Um, so I do know how to close it down. I do know how to walk away. But some pe- the, the, the scary thing is, is that some people might not be able to do that. Exactly. And that's something I hope. Will you, will you come back on the podcast and talk some more in the future? Oh, of course I would. Of course, I'd love to. I'd love to. Oh, that'd be, that'd be because we can talk all day and all week. Um, you know, uh, you're just so lovely <laughs> and fascinating you, you to talk to. If you want to, we can, we can go <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'd be lovely. Um, but let's do that. Let's come back and touch on some more of these things because I know a lot of people, um, you know, uh, are absolutely fascinated by it. And if you have any questions at all that you want to ask Brian, then please, please get in touch with us. I'll give you the address at the at the end of the show. But Brian, until we talk again, and I'm sure it'd be very soon, lots of love and thank you so much. Well, thank you very much, Yvette, for phoning in the first place. I, I, I thank you, and I thank you for your lovely comments, by the way, as well. Always good to hear. 
Well, thank you for listening to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding. We shall be back the same time, same place next week. Stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow. And if you have enjoyed this episode, please rate and review. We want to hear from you. So please send an audio clip telling us of your paranormal story to this address, paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. That's paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. And we also have an Instagram page. So please follow us at Paranormal Activity Pod. And remember, things aren't always as they seem. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.